This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. Hey, remember me? Yeah, we're still doing a show here. Pod fading's for wimps. Yeah, this is episode 271, and tonight we're doing a flashback episode because this is a test. This is a test of the emergency Scream Queen broadcast system. This is a test to make sure that the fixes that we put into place to make sure that the show doesn't disappear again actually work. So I'm putting out a flashback episode. We're going all the way back to November 7th, 2010 to talk about the Joan Crawford slash William Castle Axe Happy Classic Straight Jacket. I wanted to put out an episode that I'm not emotionally attached to so that when it doesn't work, I do not have a complete, you know, breakdown when it doesn't work properly rather than put out one of these potathon episodes that I've been sitting on for a month now. Now, those of you who follow on Facebook Live, you just got a whole big scoop on everything, but that's basically what's going on. If this episode goes out quickly and properly, then we're going to start up the show again. Because, yeah, the countdown to Halloween Potathon was a huge bust. Yeah, we made $100 for no alternatives, and that's great, but we can do more. I have to revive this thing. I'm sitting on fabulous episodes with guests who are also fabulous, who donated their time to raise money for new alternatives. So I can't just put out the episodes for no reason. So yeah, so that's what we're going to do. Every day is Halloween, Potathon, because goddammit, I'm a scream queen. I can make it Halloween any goddamn time I want, and that's what I'm going to do, provided this episode goes out okay. So why don't I stop my babbling, and let's put our phasers to time travel back in time to November 7, 2010, to talk about Joan Crawford, her eyebrows, her jangly earrings, and her very, very sharp axe. Let's take a listen to the trailer. Something happens to me. Something... loneliness and simplicity of an isolated farm to the sophisticated elegance of a country estate, Straight Jacket mounts to a crescendo of electrifying suspense. Sinister. <laughs> Frightening. Bill! Bill! Don't you go in that room! Joan Crawford in a shattering screen portrayal. A frantic woman pressured by Straight Jacket tension. Leave me alone! You let go of me! Listen to me! Just call me Lucy. I wouldn't like my little girl to think I was trying to take her fell away from her. Carol and Michael are going to be married! And nobody's gonna stop it! Ingeniously designed to shock and startle, Straightjacket may go beyond the limits of your ability to endure suspense. Mother! God. Oh my God! The author of the famed novel Psycho. 
the director of the widely acclaimed chiller Homicidal, the co-star of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, join forces to create a frightening classic of shock and suspense. This is Joan Crawford. I urge you to see my new motion picture straitjacket from the beginning. Don't reveal the surprise shock ending. Don't reveal the surprise shock ending. Don't reveal the surprise shock ending. I don't think Joan Crawford wants us to reveal the surprise shock ending. Well, fuck her. She's dead. Now, you youngins out there are probably wondering... Why on earth would she be urging us to see this movie from the beginning? How the fuck else are you going to see it? Well, kidlets, back in the day, when movie theaters would only show one single movie, most of the time, as I recall, they didn't make you leave in between screenings, so they were kind of lax about entering times. You know, if you got there late, you just came on in, you sat down whenever you sat down, and when the movie ended, you just stayed there and, and watched through to when it got to the part where you came in, or watched the whole thing over again, or stay there all day. Nobody cared. That's why hobos love the movies. Not that I'm saying we're hobos. Shut up! Betty knows what I'm talking about. Back me up. So that's what Joan Crawford meant. Okay, let's talk about Straight Jacket. This was a hell of a lot of fun. Anyway, as I was watching the credits, I didn't even realize. All I knew it was Joan Crawford with an axe. I remember seeing this as a kid, really young kid. Haven't seen it since. I remember chopping her chopping someone's head off, which happens right away. But I'm watching the credits, and I'm like, oh, Robert Block wrote this. And as I'm sure you know, Robert Block wrote Psycho. And I'm like, ooh, that's pretty cool. And William Castle directed it. And I'm like, hey, that's really, really cool. And then it also, stars, uh, it also stars George Kennedy, which is only kind of cool to me because he went to my high school. We'll come back to that. Anyway, as we learn in the introductory uh, narration, back in the day, Joan Crawford was married to this handsome man who was allegedly seven years her junior. And if you saw the two of them, you're like, seven years? Ha! <laughs> who are you kidding? Okay, whatever. And not surprisingly, he's got a roving eye. I can't imagine why. Because she's such a beautiful sight to behold in her, in her bright wig and, and giant eyebrows and... Ah! Anyway, she's not... She's supposedly away, not going to be home this night. So he goes to the bar, gets drunk. He picks up some little local strumpet and takes her home to the farm. And then proceeds to get it on in front of their young daughter. Who's supposed to be asleep, but she's not. So she's watching Daddy getting it on with some hoe. And then also, not surprisingly, who came home early on the late train? Well, it's Joan Crawford. And she goes peeking in the window. I don't know why she was peeking in the window, but she did. Instead of walking in the house, she's Joan Crawford. It's her house. She can do whatever the fuck she wants to do. She sees the two of them lying there in their post-coital non-embrace. This was kind of weird because she's got a shirt off and they're just lying there like flat next to each other like they're already in the morgue. Like not clinging, not romantic, not nothing. It was like the most, well, it's kind of how I imagine how British people look after they stop fucking. But anyway, not the point. She grabs an axe. She comes in. She goes chop chop. And then gets locked up in the loony bin for 20 years. Now we flash forward 20 years later. She's getting out. And from here on in, this whole movie was kind of like Psycho 2 meets Mommy Dearest. No, forget it. It was Mommy Dearest. 
Because there's all this tension between her and her daughter when she comes back. Like, the daughter seems to be really happy that she's there, yet keeps doing these things that are really awful, that are supposedly looking nice, like... Oh, here, Mommy, I made this bust of you. And it's just a head. And she's like, ah, because she cut the people's heads off. So she's like, here's a severed head. Ah! Here's a photo album of you and Daddy. Ah! I'm getting married. Ah! This is all the first five minutes after she got off the train. That's me. This is great. This is great because she's been walking around. She's got her hair all up with this bun. It's all gray and her eyebrows are like really big. As they always are bigger than usual. Yet every time they saw her, she's in lovely close-up. She's in lovely soft focus. Completely different film stock than everything else you see. She still looks like she's 8,000 years old. And she's walking around this matronly smock that I guess they give you when you leave an asylum after 20 years. And every time they showed her, Bradford just keeps going, Oh, God, look at her shoes. Look at her shoes. Oh, my God, look at those shoes. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're gay. We're gay. And those of you who know my early coming out story, or rather my when I knew moment, you'll find that story. You'll find that particular comment extra funny. If you don't know it, that's for another show. Let's get back to Joan. Her daughter decides, I'm tired of you looking around, slumping around the house all day, looking all depressed with your ugly ass eyebrows and huffing and moaning and just being depressed. Let's go shopping. And then goes out and buys her essentially the exact same wig. That she had on in the opening scene, which you know, I just conveniently is still in style and in the window of of the wiggery, I suppose. And basically, everything that she buys, mom, is exactly what she was wearing when she murdered mom in the hoe. I mean, dad in the hoe in the first scene. Like this, this, this is why, why? Like clearly, she's got some animosity, but she's just so sweet and everything. She's like, oh, I didn't even realize it was the same dress. And oh, mama, I found those jangly ear. jangly bracelets that you had on when you chopped those motherfuckers up. But I remember them as. I used to remember hearing them jangling when you were tucking me in at night. And I said, how is this kid supposed to sleep with all this jangling? Because these things were like, basically she had 20 tambourines hanging from her wrist. It was like, the jangle, the jangle, the jangle, the jangle. You could hear her coming from 20 miles away. So dad and his hoe must have been completely passed out, drunk, unconscious, in a coma because they should have heard her three hours before she got there. And so does everybody else who gets murdered in this movie. But I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway, all of a sudden, Joan's looking like she looked 20 years ago. And now she starts acting like she did 20 years ago when she meets the fiance say she has like a half a cocktail and all of a sudden loses her goddamn mind she starts trying to seduce the fiance right in front of her daughter she's just like oh hi oh carol told me that you were handsome and i didn't think you'd be this handsome oh come over here let me see you in this light oh carol why don't you go sit on the sofa while i talk to this man oh yes Yes, I wouldn't want my daughter to think I'm trying to steal you away from me, which I am, and I'm five times older than you. It was scary and it was gross, but we're all, we're both watching this and screaming and laughing and screaming and laughing. Finally, people start freaking out and getting chopped up with axes, and it looks like but someone in a fry wig with jangly ass bracelets. Oh my god, Jones lost her mind again. Or has she? You know what, the movie is... 50 years old. If you haven't seen it by now, fuck you. I'm probably going to spoil it. And I'm probably going to spoil it right now. I just want to say shame on you, Robert Block. You wrote a fun little story, but it's pretty much exactly the same story as Psycho. It's kind of the same ending. Slightly altered, but not quite. All in all, though, it was fun as hell. Because like I said, as soon as this whole thing started with her and her, her daughter, this weird tension, like, oh, welcome home, mama. It's so nice to see you. I'm like, oh my god, this is mommy dearest and it looks like christina brought her the axe christina that was more oprah but anyway 
A couple of fun facts I learned about this movie this time around from the little guy who does the introductions beforehand. You know how William Castle is famous for his gimmicks. You know, all of his 60s movies had some gimmick attached to the release, except for this one. Why, you may ask? Apparently, he thought that Joan Crawford was enough of a gimmick to scare people into coming in. Ha! That's hilarious. The other thing that's interesting, the gentleman who plays the very small but very important role of the uh, murdered husband that she killed 20 years ago is played by none other than the $6 million man Steve Austin, otherwise known as Lee Majors. And he looks very nice with his shirt off, by the way. The little bit you get to see of it. But that's not the point right now. What's interesting, Scream Queens, and I'm emphasizing the queens here, is the story of how he got this role. Because apparently he was nobody before this. And the guy who does the introduction says, yes, you know, previous to this, he was a completely unknown completely struggling actor, until William Castle cast him as a favor to another actor. Apparently, Rock Hudson requested that Lee Majors get this role. Come on, Bill. Get this boy a career. He's really talented. Now, I'm not saying anything about Lee Majors' sexuality, but it's just a curious bit of nepotism. You make your own conclusions. Now I realize you're thinking this is even gayer than normal for me. Normally, I don't have the obsession with the classic divas that most of the homosexual community do. I can live without Betty and Joan and Liza and and Judy and all the other people who have one name. But this was just funny in general because she's just over-the-top ridiculous. And I thought about this and I said, you know what, pretty much after whatever happened to baby Jane, Joan Crawford's career just really went down the toilet. It was nothing but these kind of schlock movies, not that this was a schlock movie, but exploitation thrillers like this, and I Know What You Did, and, and, and Berserk, and whatever that last one she did was Trog, which I still don't know what it was about, but all of them with that bun, and she said, oh, that movie, whatever happened to Baby Jane ruined me, ruined me, how can my career have possibly recovered after such a terrible piece of exploitation, I said, Betty Davis seemed to do alright, you know, she went on to do a whole lot of great movies. You know, she did the whole Agatha Christie series, you know, Murder on the Orient Express, which was up for an Academy Award, and Death on the Nile, and <coughs> and Disney picked her up for, you know, Return to Witch Mountain. And hell, she was a series regular on the show Hotel up until the day she died. You know, even Wicked Stepmother was, you know, maybe not the greatest, but hey, bitch was working, so no, nice try, Joan. Nice try, Joan. My favorite part of this is when at one point they're walking through the kitchen and on the counter is this gigantic case of Pepsi, and it just... The camera stops with it center, you know, dead center of the camera for the entire rest of the scene. I'm like, wow, 1960s product placement, blatant. Pepsi Cola hits the spot, 12 full ounces, that's a lot. Buy a bottle or Joan Crawford will come to your house and kill you with an axe. Wait, that's not how it goes. The other thing I learned from this movie is because she's staying at this farm with her daughter and her brother, I mean, and, and, Joan Crawford's brother and his wife. And we learn in one scene where, where Joan Crawford wakes up to find severed heads in her bed, the severed heads of her, her husband and her lover and his lover. And she's all like, ah! And of course, when they go to check it out, it's gone. They're gone. But in the meantime, when she runs and screams, she's like, ah! There's heads in my bed! We learn that the, the, the brother and his wife sleep in twin beds. Like, okay, I realize this is the 60s, but basically what you're saying, graphic depictions of decapitation and axe murder are perfectly fine. Married couples sleeping together? Oh my god! Filth! Perversion! All in all, I just wanted to give a quickie review of this, let you guys know, have you seen this on cable? Tape it, it's fun. You'll probably might be much better off watching it with a queen.
but you're always much better watching things with a queen. Everything's better with a homo. Well, maybe not everything, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. It's always more fun. We find the good stuff. Anywho, straight jacket. Check it out and learn the lessons. Learn its lessons. When your mama comes home from the insane asylum after 20 years, for Christ's sakes, buy her an eyebrow tweezer. All right, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, that is going to wrap up this test episode. Hopefully, you heard it. And those of you who have been great in responding, like these little test episodes that I've put out in the past couple of weeks, those of you responding when you got it and on what and on and from where you got it, like what, what did you get it from iTunes? Did you get it from Castbox? That has been extremely helpful. So please continue to do so. And you can do that by sending me a note at crew at screamqueens.com. And as always, that's Queens with a Z. You can send me a note on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens where horror gets gay. You can tweet me at Scream Queens or send me a note on Instagram. That's Scream Queens Podcast. You can do all those fabulous things. And hopefully you heard this and hopefully this is the end of this dark night of silence because this has been absolutely horrible. I miss you guys. I miss doing this show. I am a wreck not doing this show. And Anyway, I'm not going to go into that again. I just went into all this on Facebook Live. But anyway, just know that I'm still here. I'm still trying to get the show out to you. I have not gone anywhere. Scream Queens, keep fighting until the end. And that's what I'm going to do. So until next time, which hopefully will be very, very soon, my beautiful, beautiful screamers continue to make the world a creepier place. And never, ever forget the Scream Queens golden rule. Because I forgot for a little while there. Fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final real baby, because you got a goddamn podcast to do. Yeah! Ah! All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.